The makers of epic pure sunflower oil, purine and pret cooking fat, yum yum peanut butter, maple margarine and niblet's cheese twists present the epic casebook. which Inspector Carr investigates. Good evening. As I searched through my casebook for a suitable investigation, and by suitable I mean one that would lend itself to radio dramatization, I was again reminded of how excited I became as a young man when someone gave me a copy of Soren Kierkegaard's book on philosophy. This 19th century Danish writer said, in effect, that nothing is ever said, done, or created without its having a rippling effect. In other words, no action or incident can remain within itself. Does that sound obscure? Well, let me point to the investigation you're going to hear tonight. It concerns the circumstances leading up to the murder of Gilbert Bronson. All right, we found the killer, and the dossier was stamped crime solved. Yet, this murder was to result in the rounding up and destroying of the Kestrel Gang, some thousands of miles away. Let me tell you about it. I've called my story, Death is No Accident. Gilbert Bronson escaped death by inches, only to be murdered within the precincts of Charing Cross Hospital. However, let's start at the time when the murder squad first became aware of his existence, or lack of it, since by then he was dead. Calm. Operations here, Inspector. Yes, Ops. Extraordinary thing. Man shot dead in Charing Cross Hospital. What? Baxter. Admitted to the casualty ward half an hour ago. The registrar's just phoned through to say that somebody's murdered their patient. Well, I'll be... <laughs> Telephone transport, organise a car. I just can't believe it. I didn't leave them alone for more than five minutes or so. No one's blaming you. No, indeed not. Uh, I've just come from the registrar. He told me how upset you were, Miss Collins. Now, please don't be. The fact that you logged the patient in the admission book doesn't make you at all responsible. But he was my patient. I was preparing for his x-ray. Dr. Ellis... Oh, that's all right, nurse. I'll take a statement from the doctor myself. Now, uh, you brought the patient in by ambulance, didn't you, Dr. Ellis? Oh, yes, I did. We received a call for an ambulance. The police said that a man had been knocked down by Cambridge Circus. I was on casualty as I went with the... Uh, make way! Make way for the stretcher bearers. Can't you see the doctor's trying to get through? Uh, here he is, Doctor. All right, George, hold it for a minute. Right. Hmm, he's obviously unconscious, but we'd better not try and get him on a stretcher until I've taken a look at him. Yeah. How did it happen, Constable? I don't know. I, I saw him running across the road, and then there was a screech of brakes, and, and this chap knocked him down with his lorry. Knocked him down? I didn't stand a chance when right across the red light. I'll tell you one, lots of people saw him. You, you did, sir, didn't you, sir? Yes, sir, I sure did. See the run right under the man's wheel. Uh, now, take it easy, chaps, when you lift him on the stretcher. I think he's concussed. Looks as though he caught his head on that curb. We won't know what damage until we get him under x-ray. I think he's going to be all right, Doctor. I think so. We'll be able to take a look at him in about five minutes. Charing Cross isn't far. 
Uh, we put the man in the ambulance, brought him through here to casualty. Yes. I was able to make a closer examination, and I didn't think it was at all critical. I doubt if there was any kind of bone fracture or internal hemorrhaging, but I gave instructions to Nurse Collins here for immediate x-ray. Well, here he is. Been shot right through the heart at close quarters. You can see the powder marks uh, here on his chest. I didn't hear anything. I was in, in casualty dispensary preparing an injection. Now, don't but... distress yourself, Nurse Collins. There's no reason why you should. You probably use a silencer. Modern ones are most effective. Whoever shot Bronson must have followed the ambulance. Mm. How would he know where the unfortunate man would be? Uh, do you see that door, Inspector? Yeah. I'll bet he came into this ward from that door. Otherwise, you'd have had to pass casualty reception. Sister Kingsley, who's on duty, myself. Yes, yes, I see. And that door leads out into Harper Street. Yes, come. I'll show you. That's it. Well, if he didn't gain access to the casualty section this way, he most certainly left through this door. Now, Doctor, the registrar has given me the admission card. You wrote down Gilbert Bronson, address 42 Golden Square. Yes, that's right. Went through the patient's pockets. He's got his passport with him, and you'll find a... Sir, address to him at that address. Mm -hmm. uh, he's an American, as you'll see by his passport. He's a very good police officer, Dr. Ellis. Well, why do you say that? We have to go through their pockets to find out something about the patients. When we know that the condition is not critical, we wait until the patient is sufficiently recovered to find out uh, religion, next of kin, that sort of thing. No, I wasn't referring to that. I marveled at the detailed description you gave me. Now, what happened when you arrived at the ambulance? Isn't that what you wanted? Yes, of course. But it was astute of you to realize that the killer must have been among those milling around the scene of the accident. Yes, yes, I did realize that. You see, when the patient was being wheeled into hospital, his face could not have been recognized by either a member of the hospital staff or by anyone receiving treatment. It was a nasty gash, as you can see. So I put a loose bandage on it while he was in the ambulance. And he was like that as you removed him from the ambulance, through to reception, and wheeled him into this ward? Yes, yes. Well, thank you, Dr. Ellis. Thank you very much indeed. Without your statement, we'd have spent fruitless man-hours questioning everyone remotely connected with the hospital. You see, I was right about your having qualities that make a good policeman. <laughs> now, let's have a look at the times involved. The police constable's report said that he was run down by this truck at 4.25. That's right, Inspector. Mm -hmm. We always make a note of the time the emergency calls come through. It came through at 4.27. And you booked patient in at what time? I've got it here. Mm -hmm. Um... 4.34 p.m. Well, so you see, we didn't waste much time. Thank you. And you, doctor, and you, nurse, wheeled the unconscious man into this ward? Well, let's say the two hospital orderlies who acted as the stretcher bearers did that. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Did you go through all his pockets? Um, I did. Mm. We, we have to make a list of everything which we show to the patient when he recovers consciousness and is able to agree and sign that it's correct. Mm -hmm. You'd be surprised the number of patients being discharged from hospital who who claim that they've been given less cash than when they came in. Hmm. Well, can I have a look at the list, please? Uh, yes, it's on that little table there. Apart from the unusual fact that he was in possession of his passport, the contents of Brunson's pockets proved to be of little interest. Some money, cigarette lighter, handkerchief, ballpoint pen, an envelope containing a letter from a firm of estate agents confirming his termination of tenancy at his apartment in Golden Square. Mm -hmm. So 
I'll take these, Doctor. I'll give you a receipt, of course. By all means. Oh, but uh, what about his next of kin? Uh, who does that? Oh, don't worry about that. We'll see to it, Doctor. Oh, does that telephone work? Uh, yes, you just pick up the receiver and ask for a line. Thanks. Oh, quick work. Giving it to me automatically. Oh, ups. Car. Speaking from Charing Cross Hospital. Yes, sir. Man named Gilbert Bronson was shot dead between 4.34 and 4.40 p.m. I want the policeman who reported Bronson's accident at Cambridge Circus to be brought to the yard, say, in an hour from now. Very good, sir. And get through to Colonel Grantley at the American Embassy. Find out all you can. Oh, uh, where is it, sir? Oh, yeah. His passport was issued in Detroit four years ago. Number G706. Three, five, two, one. Got that? Two, one. Yes, sir. Okay, Ops. Now, if I'm wanted urgently, you may be able to get me at 42 Golden Square. You're home early. Uh, oh, 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 I'm so sorry. I thought you were the governor. Uh, Mr. Bronson does live here. Oh, oh, yes, but you never get him in this time of day. He never gets home before six or sometimes later. I see. Uh, your name oh, is... Oh, look, now, if you're selling insurance... I'm a police what... officer, madam. Uh, here's my warrant card. Oh, oh excuse me. Oh, but you have to be careful, don't you? I mean, a woman alone in the flat. You policemen do warn us not to let strangers into the place. You know, only the other day, there was a woman robbed and molested round the corner from here uh, in Archer. Yes, you're quite right, Mrs. Uh, 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 Mopley's uh, the name, Gladys Mopley. Been working for Mr. Bronson for two years now. American gentleman. Oh, I'll get me standing here talking away. Where's me manners do come in, sir? Thank you. At this stage, I knew nothing of Gilbert Bronson's background why he was in London, or anything about him. One thing became apparent, however, Bronson's means must have been substantial to have been able to afford such a luxuriously appointed apartment. The carpets, the furniture, the odd paintings on the wall may not have been in the best of artistic taste, but they were certainly expensive-looking. I knew that the garrulous Mrs. Mopley would be a mine of information, one of those compulsive talkers who can prove invaluable in a police uh, tell me about your employer, Mrs. Mopley. Oh, I say, he hasn't done anything wrong, has he? Oh, I'm afraid he's met with an accident. Oh. Uh, we have to find out his next of kin. Accident? Oh, dear. When I woke up this morning, I had a feeling it was going to be one of those days. He ain't hurt, is he? I'm afraid so. In fact, you may as well know that your employer is dead. Oh, oh dear. Such, such a kind man he was. Always a nice smile. Of course, it's not as great a loss as it might have been. Oh, why do you say that? Well, he gave me notice. Oh, oh not because I was unsatisfactory. He said, he said I was the best cook he'd ever had. Mind you, I, I didn't cook for him often, but sometimes... Uh, just a minute, Mrs. Motley. You say he gave you notice. Was he leaving the country? Yes, that's right. He told me this morning. Well, I'll be off, Mrs. Mopley. Oh, Mr. Bronson, you didn't touch those nice kippers. I'm not hungry this morning. Uh, Mrs. Marpley, I'm afraid I shan't need your services after Friday. Oh, oh dear, Friday. Well, it's, it's only Wednesday. What, uh, what? Sure, 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 I know. Uh, here, I may as well pay an hour. How about, uh, oh, you'll need a month's notice, and there's, uh, yeah. 
about this? A hundred pounds? Oh, so I, I don't know what to say, really. Don't I... say it, just take it. Yeah. Oh, thank you. But if anyone telephones or anyone asks for me, just tell them I'm gone away, huh? No, no, I... I'm catching a plane till Friday, but I don't want anyone to know. He looked... Well, I thought he looked frightened. Maybe, maybe it wasn't in an accident. Maybe he committed suicide. No, Mrs. Mopley. He was murdered. And you're going to help me find the killer. Of course, I verbally pandered to Mrs. Mopley's obvious sense of the dramatic. Nevertheless, it was meant. After all, he was giving up his apartment. And, when accidentally knocked down by the truck, he was carrying his passport. It was a reasonable assumption that Bronson was running away from something, or someone. Come in. Uh, Police Constable Brown reporting, sir. It's uh, about the accident. Oh, yes, Brown. Well, come on in. Oh, thank you, sir. Sit down, Brown. Uh, uh, thank you, sir. I've read your account's report, Constable Brown. Clear and concise. Thank you, sir. Uh, you know the man was later shot dead in Charing Cross Hospital. Oh, oh yes, sir. Uh, nasty business, that was. Now, I want you to try and remember whether there was anybody at the scene of the accident who looked at all suspicious or seemed to recognize the man who was knocked down. Uh, no, sir. Uh, I remember asking if there were any witnesses, and at least half a dozen said they saw it. I entered in their names, uh, well, you know, sir, for insurance purposes. Uh, I didn't think there'd be any chance of the driver being charged with uh, negligence. Yes, yes, I know. I read all that in your report. There was an American standing by. Now, Dr. Ellis can't identify him. He was far too busy attending to Bronson. Can you? Do you remember an American? I believe he spoke to you. Oh, oh, yes, sir. Uh, yes, I, I remember this American coming up and saying that he saw the accident. The driver appealed to him. Uh, oh, he was about uh, five foot eleven, uh, maybe six, on the heavy side, wearing horn-rimmed glasses and a trilby hat. Oh, dear. Oh, I beg your pardon, sir. Mm. Heavily built American tourists wearing horn-rimmed glasses are to a penny at this time of year. Oh. Hair, eyes, complexion? Oh, oh, fresh complexion, sir. Uh, brown hair and brown eyes. Hmm. Oh, thank you, Constable. Oh, excuse me, Brown. Carp. Operations here, Inspector. Yes, Ops. Ex-Branch reports that Gilbert Brompton, registered at the American Embassy, gave his occupation as an antique dealer. Yes? He applied to the authorities for a resident permit, and this was granted four years ago, sir. I see. Criminal records report that nothing is known against him. He spent a great deal of time at race meetings and at nightclubs, but as far as is known, sir, no known female companion. I see. Well, thanks, Ops. His passport says Detroit. Yes, sir. Now, get through to the FBI, see what they know about him. Right, sir. Quickly as you can. <sighs> now, I've got a job for you, Brown. Sir? You're being seconded to the murder squad until the killer's been found. Oh, Obviously, we've got to aim for the American who was standing by could be that this man was after Bronson. Saw him in the street. Bronson knew that he was being pursued, and in his fear, he 
ran across that busy intersection with the lights against him. Now, if this American is our man, he'd need transport to get to the hospital. Get the message? Uh, oh, yes, sir. Right. Now, I want you to go to room 48. Describe this American looker-on as best you can. Get them to draw up an identikit. And then go foot-slogging to all the taxi companies. You know exactly the time the accident took place. Can't be all that many American tourists calling for a cab at Cambridge Circus on that day, uh, uh, at that time. Yes, uh, very good, sir. On your way, then. Time's of the essence. Uh. Uh. Car. Operation, dear Inspector. Yes, officer. We've got the information, sir. Gilbert Bronson lived at 48 West... Ch West sorry, sir, it's West Chester Avenue, Detroit. Right. Antique dealer. Hmm. Came under suspicion eight years ago that he was cleared by the local precinct. Left Detroit hurriedly. Did he? Captain Robinson is of the opinion that Bronson may have been involved in a million-dollar bank robbery at that time, but Captain Robinson says he came to the conclusion after Bronson left the state, sir. Well, that's interesting, very interesting. Thanks, Ops. Oh, just one other thing, sir. Yes? Ex-branch reports that Bronson was known to bank at the Soho branch of the Midland and Most charming gentleman, Mr. Bronson. They bought and sold antiques, I believe. Certainly a very good customer. He always had a few thousand to his credit. Never asked for an overdraft. I read the account of his murder in this morning's paper. In a hospital, of all things. Unbelievable. Yes. Yes, it is unbelievable. But true for all that. Now, sir, I've been through the man's effects at his apartments. I can't find anything that tells me about his business, except for the fact that he seems to make a monthly trip to Paris. But exactly where and to whom, I don't know. I'm afraid I, I can't help you there, Chief Inspector. You say he's always had a few thousand pounds to his credit. Seems to have spent well. Where's the money come from? Did he pay in checks, banker's drafts? What? Oh, now, let me see. I've uh, got the ledger here. Um, uh, uh, ah, oh, yes, here we are. Uh, Bronson. Oh, extraordinary thing. What's extraordinary? Well, sometimes he paid in as much as 2,000 in sterling, sometimes in French francs, sometimes in Italian lira. I think you'll find that that is the reason for his monthly trips overseas. He probably got hot dollars, or rather had, and he converted them into foreign currencies before the FBI got on his tracks. Good gracious me. I often wondered how he might... I wasted no further time discussing the various possibilities. The man was shot dead, and it began to look more and more like an act of revenge. I decided to put a personal call through to Detroit. Uh, you see, Captain Robinson, as far as we can gather, this Gilbert Bronson's sole means of support were monies he brought back to Britain in various foreign currencies. Now, you told our ex-branch that he was suspected of being involved in a bank robbery. That's right, Chief Inspector. I was a lieutenant eight years ago. One of the hoodlums, Jake Hobson, shot dead. Two security guards wounded, but uh, the rest of the mass gang got away with a cool million. <laughs> Not a nickel been seen since. Do you think that Bronson was one of the gang who raided the bank? Oh, no, no, no. That's just hindsight and unofficial, you know. Uh, 
Bronson's father still mayor of the city, and, uh, well, you know, I wouldn't want... Uh... I get the message. Yeah, okay. No, Bronson's sister, Jean, was seen everywhere with Jake Hobson. Bronson leaves town same day as the robbery, just disappears. Figures? Figures? Hmm. Seems he was giving the dough to hide while it cooled off, and, uh, picture clear? Mm, very, very. Thanks. Oh, um, what about the Bronson girl? Mayor's daughter? I must be kidding. A dozen other things, she says. Uh, uh, get it? Yes, yes, I do, I do. Thanks. Uh, any thoughts about the rest of the gang? Oh, none, but uh, judging by your telex, could be they were responsible. Oh, these characters have long memories. And longer arms, by the looks of it. Yes, sir. Thanks, Captain. You've been very helpful. No, not, not a bit. Uh, say, if you do trace the killer, uh, it'll give us a lead. I will keep you informed. Bye. Yeah, uh, bye. The American. Good guy. Uh, yeah. Picked up by a taxi, cruising near the scene of the accident. Took him to the corner of Arthur Street. By the hospital. Right. Uh, at 4.40 p.m., a man answering to his description got into a taxi at the Bow Street taxi rank mm -hmm. and asked to be taken to Bolton's Hotel. Well done, Constable. Did you go to the hotel? Oh, yes, sir. Registered as Arthur Gould, a Detroit address. He's, uh, he's with a group, the Elks, on a fortnight's package tour. Leaves on Saturday. Hmm. Clever. I'll beg your pardon, sir. Well, suppose Bronson is traced by the gang of long last, huh? Suppose they hired a professional gunman to assassinate the man who cheated on them. Now, it is a sad fact that our immigration boys are much more casual with holiday groups from respectable clubs. You see... If the gunman traveled alone... Get it? Uh, oh, yes, sir. Right, then, let's not waste time. I'm looking forward to meeting him. Have him picked up. Uh, oh, go in, Mr. Gould. Keep telling I don't know what all this is about. I must not hear about this. Sit door. down, Mr. Gould. I said sit down. Better. I keep asking this cop, what do you want to see me for? I mean, a guy's entitled to know why he's been picked up. I'm not sure that picked up is the right phrase. Oh, you remember Police Constable Brown? You were at Cambridge Circus when a man was knocked down. You offered to help? Sure, sure I did. So what? I mean, the guy was an American citizen. Natural thing, I should want to help. I... You're coming with me. Now, take that to the sanctuary, and Sister will give you... Uh, oh, hello, Chief Inspector. Can I have a word with you? It's rather urgent. Of course. You run along, Mr. Baker. Sister will take care of you. Oh, what can I do for you? Now, can you identify this man? Have you seen him before? Um, no, I don't... Yes. Yes, I do. He was walking to the art patient's bench when I was wheeling to x-ray that poor man. She's crazy. I never thought of saying before he, in my life. Inspector, the handcuffs. Yes, nurse, he is. And we'll require you and the doctor as witnesses. Yeah, this uh, Arthur Gould is unknown in this state. FBI gave us the lowdown. Served seven out of ten years sentence at Hawkehurst for assault. Known as a muscle man for Slugs Taylor, who controls the numbers game on the West Coast. Now then, uh, Inspector Carr, if you can get that guy to sing... We may catch up with the bank robbers. He's already sung, Captain. Oh, yeah? Yep. 
As soon as we showed him the gun and the silencer found in his hotel bedroom, he sang like a canary. Well, I'll be doggone. <laughs> Does the name Tom Kestrel mean anything to you? Tom Kestrel? Well, are you kidding? Every time we pull Tom and his brother Nick in, somebody pulls a political wire and they laugh in our faces. Yes? Yeah. Well, you see, the trouble is, people are afraid to talk. Well, you know how it is, they Afraid what might happen, not only to them, but their families. Of course. Yeah. Hey, uh, how many beans did Gould spill? Oh, plenty. Yeah. It incriminated the entire Kestrel clan. Don't say, huh? Now, the confession's on its way over to you today. Uh, you may not be able to pin the bank robbery onto them for lack of evidence. Oh. But you can get them on being accomplices to Bronson's murder. Well, that's good enough to me. I'll... Uh... Got to hand it to you, Chief Inspector. Oh, it was easy, Captain, once we caught up with Gould. Oh. He incriminated himself when he was picked up and came to the yard. The killer said... Well, listeners, how did Gould incriminate himself? What did he say to reveal his guilt? Well, what was it that Gould said to me when I had him pulled in? If you remember... I keep asking this cop, what do you want to see me for? I mean, the guy's inside of the know why he's being picked up. Uh, you were at Cambridge Circus when a man was knocked down. You offered to help. Sure, sure I did. So what? The guy was an American citizen. Natural thing I should want to help, isn't it? You're coming with me. Do you see Gould's foolish statement declaring that the unconscious man was a fellow American citizen? How did the gunman know the accident victim's nationality if he'd never seen him before? A foolish remark to make. Although, of course, we were convinced of Gould's guilt by the time he was picked up. Bronson knew he'd been traced by the gang a few days before when he was told an American had questioned the caretaker of the block of flats. He decides to run. The gunman spots him near Cambridge Circus and gives chase. The rest you know. Good night. Epic Casebook was produced by Michael Silver for the makers of Epic Sunflower Oil, Maple Margarine, Yum Yum Peanut Butter, Niblet's Cheese Twists, Halverine Bread Spread, and Blossom Yellow Margarine, with Hugh Rouse as Inspector Carr. Epic Casebook.